Well, this is a new voice kind of starting the program today on Answers for Elders Radio. I'm Chuck Olmstead, and Suzanne Newman, you're sitting across from me on the other side of the desk today. I am. It's kind of strange, isn't it? It is kind of strange. It's kind of fun. Yeah. I kind of like watching you in the control st- seat there. There you go. In the cockpit. In the cockpit. Well, I tell you what. Uh, um, last weekend, you and I had an opportunity to go to a wonderful assisted living facility, mm-hmm. and you had the opportunity to share your story and the uh, top 10 advocacy, I have a hard time with that word, advocacy principles. And I heard that, and you and I were talking, and I thought this would be a great opportunity for you to share those top 10 principles with our radio audience. Yes, and especially since we've been on the air for one year. I think it's important, too, that our listeners understand a little bit about what we stand for, what I stand for, um, and really my commitment to family caregivers out there on how to make their lives a lot easier. Well, I know that the the people that attended that event were very engaged. It was not only the seniors that were there, the the care mm-hmm. the people who are receiving care but they're caregiving uh, some of their children, adult children. and adult mm-hmm. children were there and uh, there were lots of questions afterwards that that they ask you because they were totally engaged they really had lots of good questions and I know our listeners do as well right right I'm sure they do well let's get into it so there are there are ten principles that you talk about mm-hmm. and. Uh, They really come out of your life story. They really do, Chuck. And a little bit about just before we get into the 10 foundational uh, principles is what I call them and why I call it advocacy. There's some things I think I want to kind of lay some framework. Um, You see, to our listeners, everyone here, um, I was born right in the middle of of the baby boomer generation, born in 1956. Um, and I grew up in a very traditional household. Mom was a stay-at-home mom. Uh, she was absolutely the homemaker, um, the hostess with the mostess, etc. And my father was the, you know, the workaholic, brought home the bacon. Um, the only time he really had anything to do with the kids was, you know, if we went somewhere or, you know, he wasn't really involved in the raising of the children. And that's mm-hmm. back in the, you know, 50s and 60s. It was a very different world. And, you know, as a result, as I grew up, I had ambitions to be um, a career girl. Um, I wasn't like my mom. I wasn't like my mom from the time I was born. Um, she and I had kind of a... I guess I would say challenging relationship, and that's kind of being nice um, because I was probably not the best daughter to her because she obviously wanted me to be more like her. And, you know, I laugh in the workshop when I show a photo of a mother and daughter dress. Uh You know, I remember my mother would want me to wear mother-daughter dresses, and it was so funny when I looked out into the crowd. How many of you, you know, women here had mother-daughter dresses? Almost all of them raised their hands, and they laughed, because we don't do that anymore. But it was very much a, a symbol of you know, what the world was like. You're to grow up to be like mom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't like mom. (laughs) You know, my mom was really kind of soft-spoken and very, um, you know, non-ambitious. She had no understanding of my world. 
And so obviously, you know, from that foundation, she and I had a difficult relationship. Yeah. And that was, you know, that happened in the 60s and then mm-hmm. on into the 70s oh, where yeah. the, you know, women were being, young girls were being challenged to go out and experience new things that their mothers hadn't experienced Well, and before. I would say probably we were the trailblazers of that mm-hmm. because even a lot of, coming from a small town like I did, um, I would say the majority of my classmates are, you know, are domesticated, you know, stay, stayed in the hometown, uh, got married very young. Um, I was kind of one of the unique ones mm-hmm. when in that world. And, and so obviously there was a lot of, you know, we just didn't relate to each other. So when it came time, obviously, for me to take care of my mom, um, I was in my early 50s. We, we had a cordial relationship, but it was certainly not the, um, you know, it's not like she really looked forward to growing old with me taking care of her. That's for sure. <laughs> so, so you know, you were not only different from your mom, but your mom was different from you in that she she didn't understand what your motivations were. And, no. And, you know, did you really understand her motivations at that time? Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. I, I just, I kept saying, you know, mom, I mean, there was a lot of things that I was interested in that I would, I was passionate about. And um, she didn't understand passion. You know, mm. I don't think she really did. You know, when I think about it, it's like, it's always you make nice. It's not about taking on a cause. <laughs> right. And she would always say to me, you know, I wish you'd learn how to blend. There you go. <laughs> and I, well, I'm not a blending personality. <laughs> you 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 want to make things happen. You're the kind of go get them, get you know, let's take charge kind of a person. Exactly, right. exactly. Right. Always have been. Go yeah. after the goal and grab it. Yeah, yeah. So as as life progressed on, so then you know what happened with your mom? Well, um, it was in 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a call at work. And I was conducting a sales meeting. Um, I w- had a very, very big job. And I say big job because I traveled a lot. I oversaw the northwest sector of the um, you know, U.S. for um, a large telecommunications uh, media company mm-hmm. or yellow page company. Mm-hmm. And um, as, I, as I oversaw that, um, I had about 250 sales reps that I was responsible for training, working with their managers, that they met their goals, um, et cetera. So there was a lot of things that were on my plate, and there was a lot of demand that I was on the road a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I got that fateful call saying, your mom has had a bad fall, you need to come, I was in so much denial because I really wasn't dialed into her decline. And she had fallen and broken not her hip, but her pelvis, which was even worse. Yeah. One thing about an art, if you break a hip, they can put an artificial hip in, a new hip in. Um, for a, it's You can't do a new pelvis. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, she was in a lot of excruciating pain and has been through a lot. So it, she went through a lot, um, mm-hmm. about three months of recovery. And the doctor basically said, um, from my hometown in Anacortes, I'm sending, telling her, Norma, who was her name, I'm sending you to be with your daughter down in, in Seattle. And of course, she wasn't very happy about that. Yeah, yeah. So here you've got a, a very responsible position, your mm-hmm. uh, sales force, and now you've got to try to integrate mm-hmm. uh, your mom's 
accident and right. her recovery into what you're currently doing. Well, and, and think about this, okay? I don't think very many of us that end up taking care of a senior loved one, we don't, yes, we know that it's probably on the horizon someday, but we don't aspire to be what's called a caregiver. Mm -hmm. It's not something that people say, well, when I grow up, I want to be a caregiver. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not something like that. But there's also this overwhelming responsibility, but there's also this incredible amount of fear because you don't necessarily know what the right answers are. You're not you know, you're not adequately prepared. And that's something that obviously makes a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. So what happened? Well, um, she moved down to um, the, you know, Linwood area. And she was in a rehab. And all of a sudden, my life was totally turned upside down. Um, You can probably imagine, I was trying to deal with a very responsible, you know, be responsible Yet her needs kept creeping in, and I needed to be there for her. And really, my life took a really bad tailspin. Um, And as a result, I lost my job over it. And this is over time. Mm -hmm. Um, Lost my job about, I guess, four years into taking care of her. I took care of her the last six years of her life. And um, as a result, my uh, house was foreclosed on and uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a really hard time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as as point one in your 10 uh, uh, advocacy principles, you say mm-hmm. number one is dealing with difficult conversations up front. Right. What oh were gosh. some of those difficult conversations? Well, you know, I learned that really quick because with my work with working with families, one of the things that I know is, is that we don't like to talk about difficult things with our parents because they don't like to talk about difficult things, especially if they've come from the greatest generation. Um, they don't, they are the kind of people that hold their heads high. They don't bring in uncomfortable conversation. That is their mindset. And as a result, they're very um, protective, I guess is the word, about things. They don't want to inconvenience people. So there is that sense where parents don't like to have that conversation. And then uh, even adult children are afraid, aren't they? They're still afraid. There's Mm -hmm. that parental thing where you you don't want to... uh, You don't want to infringe on their privacy. And yet there's some things that you really need to have conversations about up front because, and and especially for your parents and in respect to them, you need to have these conversations because if they're in a position where they can't make choices for themselves guess what? They're not going to have a choice. So some of the things that they need to take care of is, number one, all their legal documents, their power of attorneys, should anything happen to them, their financial um, power of attorney, and whoever that person is, they need to know where the safety deposit box is, where the different aspects are, you know, of their, you know, of what they're doing. So Mm -hmm. those are the things that, you know, we talk about a lot. And then really, what's their long-term desire as their needs change? Um, Do they want to stay at home if they, for as long as possible? Or would they like to go into an assisted living when that need arises? Well, there's a lot more to cover here, Suzanne. We're going to take a break in just a second. But, But the thing that I, after hearing your presentation now a couple of times, I have to believe that a, a, a majority of the issues that, that occur 
have to do with relationship, doesn't it? I mean, Big it's time. it's <laughs> relationship and the relationship that the child has with the parent and the parent has with the child and the child has Big with their siblings. Time. All of those things come into play during this season of life. Didn't you notice that in the presentation? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, listen, we're going to take a break right now, and we'll be back right after this. Perfect. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform. 